Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Monday, February 19th. On today's show, the U.S. Army faces increasing pressure as it foots the bill for Ukraine support, while the Biden administration considers slowing key emissions rules, potentially impacting EV growth. Plus, Schumer demands Johnson and House GOP pass foreign aid bill following Ukrainian withdrawal from key city and Navalny's death. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with a look at the U.S. Army's financial burden in supporting Ukraine's war effort against Russia. Since the start of the fiscal year in October 2023, the Army has spent over $430 million on various operations, including training Ukrainian troops, transporting equipment, and deploying U.S. troops to Europe. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about the Army's concerns regarding this funding situation? Certainly, David. The Army has been funding these operations from its Europe and Africa Command budget. Without a 2024 budget approved by Congress, and without additional funding specifically for Ukraine, the command is facing a shortfall. It has roughly $3 billion to cover $5 billion of operations costs. This includes not only the operations related to Ukraine support, but also other operations for the U.S. command throughout Europe and Africa. What happens if Congress doesn't pass new funding for Ukraine soon? If new funding isn't approved within a few months, Army officials say they will have to start diverting money from less critical projects, such as barracks construction or enlistment incentives. If the Army doesn't pull funds from elsewhere, Army Europe and Africa's budget would run out of money for operations not just related to Ukraine, but elsewhere in Europe and Africa by the end of May. What are the potential consequences if these funds are not allocated from elsewhere within the Army's budget? The consequences could be severe. Army officials have warned that without these funds, operations, including training exercises for Army forces in Europe and Africa, and equipment moving into the theater would be affected. Contracts also wouldn't be paid on time and would garner penalty fees. One official even said that they would cease to exist if these funds were not allocated from elsewhere within the Army's budget. What has been the response from Army Secretary Christine Wormuth? Army Secretary Christine Wormuth has expressed concern over the situation, stating that the Army would have to sort of rob Peter to pay Paul. She emphasized the importance of every incremental dollar and the tough choices that have to be made on where to allocate funds. She also echoed the urgent need for funding, noting that the money spent was anticipated to be replenished by the supplemental. Despite the funding issues, is the U.S. still providing training for Ukrainian troops? Yes, training for Ukrainian troops has continued because it has been deemed mission critical by the president. The U.S. is currently training roughly 1,500 Ukrainians at Grafenwar Training Area in Germany. Stateside, the U.S. is also continuing its training of Ukrainian pilots on the F-16 fighter aircraft at Morris Air National Guard Base in Arizona. What's the current status of funding for Ukraine in Congress? Lawmakers in Congress have been debating a next tranche of funding for Ukraine for months. Last week, the Senate voted to advance a $95.3 billion foreign aid bill, 
including $60 billion in support for Ukraine. However, its future in the House is uncertain. Speaker Mike Johnson has stated that he does not intend to bring it to the floor for a vote. Thanks for your insights, Bella. In other news, the Biden administration is reportedly considering a relaxation of stringent vehicle emissions rules proposed last year. This move would give automakers more time to meet requirements that would increase the sale of electric vehicles. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this development? Certainly, David. The Environmental Protection Agency's Vehicle Emissions Rule is a key part of President Biden's climate agenda. The president has made the transition to electric vehicles a signature issue of his presidency, emphasizing both the economic and climate benefits. Instead of a rule that would rapidly increase the number of electric vehicles sold to meet strict emissions requirements, the EPA is now considering delaying these requirements until after 2030. What does this mean for the overall emissions reduction goal? Well, one source familiar with the plan has stated that the EPA emissions rule will ultimately reduce nearly as much emissions as the original proposal. The difference is that it will do so gradually and provide more flexibility for automakers in the beginning. What was the original proposal? When the EPA unveiled their proposed vehicle emissions rule last April, they were considering several different emissions proposals. These could have resulted in anywhere from a 64% to 69% electric vehicle adoption rate by the early next decade, starting with model year 2027 vehicles. How has this been received by various stakeholders? The reaction has been mixed. A top White House climate official stressed Biden's commitment to the transition to electric vehicles. However, some advocates have criticized the move as a concession to automakers pointing out that U.S. legacy automakers are lagging far behind Tesla and Chinese EV companies like BYD. The United Auto Workers Union, a key group that recently endorsed Biden for president in 2024, has long been sounding the alarm about what a shift to EVs means for their workers. What about the political implications of this move? Former President Donald Trump has been vocal in his opposition to electric vehicles in his speeches as he seeks the Republican nomination for president. This move by the Biden administration could potentially be seen as a response to such opposition. That's certainly something to watch. Thanks, James. In other political news, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is urging the House Republicans and Speaker Mike Johnson to pass a foreign aid bill following the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, stating that Russian President Vladimir Putin is watching. Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about Schumer's call to action? Certainly, David. Schumer's pressure on Johnson comes in the wake of President Joe Biden's call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Biden directly linked Ukraine's withdrawal from the key town of Avdiivka to Congress's failure to pass further aid for Ukraine's efforts to resist Russia's invasion. Schumer believes that Navalny's death makes it even more urgent for the House to pass the National Security Supplemental. What does this National Security Supplemental entail? The Senate passed a bipartisan $95 billion foreign aid bill last week, which is currently awaiting approval from the House. This bill includes $60 billion to support Ukraine in its fight against Russia, $14.1 billion in security assistance for Israel, 
$9.2 billion in humanitarian assistance, and $4.8 billion to support regional partners in the Indo-Pacific. What has been the response from Speaker Johnson and the House Republicans? Speaker Johnson, a Louisiana Republican, has indicated that he won't bring the bill to the floor. He has criticized the measure for its lack of border provisions, even though he opposed a previous bipartisan measure that did include restrictive border measures. This has led to criticism from President Biden, who called it outrageous that House lawmakers are taking a two-week break following the death of Navalny. What are the potential implications if this bill is not passed? Schumer has warned that wavering in support for Ukraine would play into Putin's hands. U.S. officials have also expressed concern about Russian gains in the war, suggesting it's a reflection of a slowdown in aid. Ukrainian President Zelensky, while not considering the lack of additional funding, a betrayal, has hinted at the urgency of the situation, stating that dictators do not go on vacation. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. As we continue to monitor political developments, let's shift our focus to Thailand, where former Prime Minister Thaksin Shinawatra, detained for six months on corruption-related offenses, has been released on parole. This development, following a period of reconciliation between Thaksin's populist movement and the country's conservative establishment, raises questions about his future role in Thai politics. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you give us some background on Thaksin's political career and his recent release? Certainly, David. Thaksin Shinawatra was a significant figure in Thai politics, leading the country from 2001 to 2006. His populist policies appealed to rural dwellers who felt neglected by the country's ruling elites. However, his government was toppled in a military coup in 2006. He fled the country in 2008 to avoid punishment for abuse of power and other offenses while in office. Despite his absence, Thaksin continued to exert a significant influence over Thai politics. His sister, Yingluck Shinawatra, even served as Thailand's first female prime minister from 2011 until 2014. And what led to his return to Thailand? Thaksin returned to Thailand in August, after nearly 16 years of self-imposed exile. His return coincided with the few Thai parties' return to power after it formed a coalition government with the pro-military Palang Pracharath Party and United Thai Nation. The timing of his return and his receipt of a royal pardon, which reduced his eight-year sentence to one year, has led to speculation that a secret deal was made to allow him to come home on favorable terms. What has been the reaction to his release? The reaction has been mixed. For his supporters, his release is seen as a small measure of justice for a man they believe was unfairly targeted for challenging the establishment. However, others see Thaksin as a recipient of special treatment. There have been protests against his parole, with some arguing that he should serve his sentence in prison rather than at home. What could this mean for the future of Thai politics? Thaksin's release certainly raises questions about his future role in Thai politics. Some believe that he will inevitably reinsert himself into national affairs, potentially undermining the legitimacy of the current government. However, Others argue that Thaksin may not have the influence he once did. His decision to form a government with pro-military parties and his perceived special treatment could alienate some of his base. Despite his parole, Thaksin is not completely free of legal jeopardy. 
he is currently facing an investigation into a royal insult complaint. That was Simply Politics reporter Abby. Thanks for the insights. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>